0: Years ago, when my oldest boys were small, maybe about three or four years old, every night I I used to sing to them that scripture, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. And I remember one day in the living room, and I remember being stressed and kind of fretting. I don't know if I had lost... A job or financially things were difficult. I don't remember the situation. I just remember this weight of oppression, stress, the weight of life weighing on me. And in the corner of my hearing, I hear my son, it was Jordan, singing that song that I used to sing to him. At night, singing the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And through his voice, God ministered to me. It was as if all those times that I used to sing to him, you know, trying to to impart this truth of scripture to him that God's love never ceases, it never comes to an end. God was singing it back to me through my son. And just now, as we were singing I I felt that again, I I felt as you guys were singing these songs about, you know, I need you Jesus to to rescue me and I will rise and wiping away every tear. I, I know some of the situations that some of you are going through and I know these songs are cries out to the Lord, but they're also cries to you, letting you know that he is there, he is here. He is near. What I'd like to do right now, those of you who do need prayer and you're in a time where you feel, even as I did, where the the weight of life is just wearing you down and you need strength, would you stand so that we can pray for you? I want to agree together, just lifting up those things that are going on in your life. And if you're around them, would you, you lay hands on them and let's pray together. Oh God, you know the things that are taking place within each of these lives. Father, you know the struggles, you know the fears, the hardship, the pain. And Father, right here and right now, we cry out to the living God. Our words do not echo off of this ceiling or these walls Our words enter into your throne room because of Jesus and what he has done. We can come before you and cry out to our dad and say, Father, give us grace in this time of need. Give us strength where we are weak. Give us comfort, Father, where we are hurt. Bring us peace where there is turmoil. Father, may we know you are with us and that your mercy will never come to an end. Father, even this morning, it is new. And Father, we can cry out to you, lift our cares to you and know you care, you hear, and you are at work right now In the middle of these things that we are going through, your hand is there. Father, may we recognize that. May we have faith in you, not in our circumstances, not in our work, not in the economy, not in our health. Our faith is in you, the true and living God. And Father, we ask that this morning you would enrich our lives with your presence, that your word would speak truth to us, that would part the clouds of doubt, and that would bring in that life. God, we need you. We so desperately need you, and we do cry out these things in the name of your precious Son Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Say hi to someone if you haven't said hi, because I'm going to change the projector here. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 24. And as you're open, if you need a Bible, raise your hand, and someone will bring you a Bible. We're going to be looking at Acts chapter 24, verses 22 through 27. And as you're turning there to Acts, I want to remind you of something that Jesus said in Matthew 10, verses 18 through 19. He said, On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. And that's what we find here in Acts 24, we find Paul has been imprisoned and now he's brought before the governor, whose name is Felix. And as you've been with us, we've seen that this has been a rough road for Paul as he has gone through a lot of persecution and difficulty. He finally finds his way here before this governor. And I want you to keep in mind these words of Jesus. That the Spirit himself will give you what to say. And I believe he did with Paul. That he gave Paul the words to speak. The things that were necessary to speak before this governor. And let's read starting at verse 22. Then Felix, who was well acquainted with the way, that's basically those who were following Jesus, adjourned the proceedings, and when Lysias, the commander, comes, he said, I will decide your case. He ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but to give him some freedom and permit his friends to take care of his needs. Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla who was a Jewess. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus as Paul discoursed on righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. Felix was afraid and said, That's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. At the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe So he sent for him frequently and talked with him. As Paul is brought before Felix, Felix brings his wife, Drusilla. She was a Jewess, so she was familiar probably very much, and we saw that so was Felix with the way or Christianity as it was spreading throughout that region. And no doubt, Paul's name was very well known. We saw that when he entered into Jerusalem. The saints there in Jerusalem said, Paul, everyone knows about you. You got to take it easy. You got to lay low. Otherwise, they're going to get you. And they got him anyway, even when he was trying to appease them. It didn't matter. They they came after him. And so no doubt they wanted to find out, okay, let's hear about this guy, Paul. Let's see what's going on with him. And as he began to talk to them, he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. And then he spoke about three things that we want to look at here. He spoke about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. Now remember, Jesus said, I will give you the words to speak when you come before these people. And so these are the things that God wanted Paul to to speak and Felix to hear, and that he wants us to hear as well. And I want to take some time and look at these three things and, and talk about them and why they are so important. First, let's look at righteousness. Thayer's definition of righteousness is the condition acceptable to God, the way in which man may attain a state approved of God. And so the idea of righteousness is something that pleases God. And this word righteousness appears 30 times in Paul's writings just to the book of, through the book of Romans alone. And one of those times in Romans 1.16, it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, listen to this, a righteousness from god is revealed in the gospel this good news about jesus a righteousness from god is revealed a righteousness that is by faith from first to last just as it is written the righteous will live by faith or it might say the just will live by faith if your translation king james it's the same thing the righteousness that comes from god those who obtain it have to obtain it by faith and so we see that there is a righteousness that comes from god that it's not of ourselves but is of god and this is displayed a little clearly a little more clearly in matthew chapter 22 if you have your bibles turn over there quickly well as quickly as i can you can i don't know why i said quickly hurry now Matthew chapter 22. Shouldn't have got that vente coffee this morning, huh? <laughs> Starting at verse 8, Jesus has just explained and is giving a parable about a wedding banquet. In verse 8, he says, then he said to his servants, this is part of the parable, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. "'Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find.' So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. "'Friend,' he asked, "'how did you get in here without wedding clothes?' The man was speechless." Then the king told the attendant, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Wow. Just for not wearing the right clothes, you get some punishment. The, The heart of this parable is talking about how Previously, those who did not come to the feast, those who had known about the ways of God according to the law, the religious Jews of that time, who were not responding to who the Messiah was and did not come. And God was reaching out to those out in the streets, what would be the Gentiles, those who were outside. But even those who were to come in, they had to be dressed properly. If they're not dressed properly they have no place in that wedding feast and you see the person who came in there might have thought i think i'm dressed fine it's good to me have you ever this happened to me quite a a bit before i got married i was trying to impress my wife you know before she was my wife she was my girlfriend and so I thought I'd dress up, but I didn't have any new clothes. The clothes I had were from back when I was in high school. And they were groovy back then. And I remember one time specifically I had this, it was a semi-polo shirt, and it was powder blue with white sleeves and had two white pockets right here. And, and it was the most atrocious thing you could, you're, you're picturing it now in your mind, aren't you? Well, it was new, you know, and a a guy at that age thought new is good. It's a new shirt, so it must be nice. I've never worn it. Someone gave it to me. Someone must have had taste 20 years ago, you know, but I went and and met my wife, and I'll never forget her face when I came walking with that shirt on, and it was a little tight because, you know, it was a long time ago, but I, you know, I was sporting an okay figure back then, And, and... I walked up to her and i remember her glance just looked at the shirt and she goes oh and she just kind of gave this impression that let me know that this shirt is not appropriate ever and what do you do i'm there i can't take the shirt off it's the only one i've got and so the rest of that evening i had to wear this atrocious shirt it just didn't fit with the time or life ever I was unaware, I thought it was fine, but everyone who had taste around me knew that it wasn't. Sometimes we can feel that, you know, my life isn't that bad. I'm not a bad person, I I don't do evil things. Pay my taxes, you know, take care of the kids. I don't beat my wife, I'm I'm a good person, I'm okay and we come before God with our own shirt on, and we don't realize that it is insufficient. It is not good enough. You see, there is in the gospel the good news about who Jesus is, and that's what Paul is talking about to Felix, the Messiah Jesus. And there is righteousness That right standing before God is revealed through the person of Jesus Christ. In other words, there is nothing that you or I can do that will make us look good enough before God when we enter into that banquet, that final place. There is nothing that we have that God will say, hey, that's a sharp shirt you've got on there. There is nothing that we have but there is something that is revealed through the person of Jesus, a righteousness that is given to us by faith in him. And so Paul, moved by the Holy Spirit, one of the things he presents to this governor, Felix, is the righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. And it's the first thing that is mentioned in this passage of Acts. It's the first thing that he says because it is the foundation that we have to come before God. A righteousness that is not of our own, but one that is found in the person of Jesus Christ. That was why he came to be able to clothe us in his righteousness, What else matters? Jesus said in Mark 8, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his soul? What does it matter what you do if you are not pleasing before God? What does it matter if you make that trip, but it's in vain? When our kids were first born, when they were just babies, my wife and I lived in Alhambra, And we had gotten a Costco, well, it was Price Club then. It was Price Club. Remember when before it was Costco? It was called Price Club. And they didn't have as many of them as they did now. The only one that was near us was in Irwindale. And so we had to drive from Alhambra to Irwindale. And we had the kids, and I don't know how old they were, old enough to, to make a lot of noise and cry and have to be in a car seat. They're probably one or so years old, maybe. They were still babies. And we strapped them in our car, and we drove all the way to Price Club in Irwindale, about a half hour drive, with these two boys screaming the whole way. Yeah, that's a nice, restful journey. You know, our nerves are on end. You know, we're just, oh, man, we get to Price Club. And I left my Price Club card at home. Yeah, My wife didn't laugh like that at the time. She looked at me and I almost melted. Because now we had to drive all the way back home. I I, I don't remember if we were able to get in or not. But I just remember getting there and not being ready to go in. And and what a tragedy it is that people will live their life. They will be walking through this life thinking, yeah, I'm going to get to heaven. I'm going to get to heaven. And they don't realize that if they don't have a righteousness that God looks at and says, that's good. They're not going to make it in. And this parable that we read about the wedding feast and Jesus, it's not a good thing. And so Paul tells Felix about righteousness. And we need to ask ourselves, do we have the righteousness that God looks at and says, that's good? A righteousness that comes by faith, putting our trust in his son christ the messiah because if we don't have faith and put our trust in him what righteousness do we have our own how good is that it's not good enough it's not good enough and so this is an important part and then the next thing he talks about is self-control boy self-control now that that's a an important thing because this righteousness that god gives By having faith in the person of Jesus Christ requires, then, for a person to have self-control. And the word speaks for itself. Control yourself. In Proverbs 25, 28, it says, Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. A city that has no defense, a city who anyone could come in and storm and take that city over, that's a person who does not have self-control. Their lives will be ruined. They will be overcome. The enemy can go in and take advantage anytime because they cannot control themselves. And we realize now that there is a responsibility that God has taken and giving us, clothing us with his righteousness, but then there is a responsibility that belongs to us in controlling ourselves and the things that we do. Paul talked about this also in Romans chapter 6, verses 11 through 13. He says, Therefore, do not let sin reign or, or have control in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of what? Of righteousness. And so with our own responsibility, we are not to give ourselves over to the things that are sinful, that are wrong that are not pleasing to God. Instead, we are to give ourselves to the things that lead to what God has clothed us with. Parents, you know what it's like if you dress your kids up and you go somewhere nice, and they're in there nice, and if it's a white shirt, forget about it. You know, they're, they're little, and it's like, okay, don't get dirty, you know, try don't, Do anything, you know, it's like try and and stay clean. Well, the idea is if we're gonna walk through this world that is filthy, God is saying, don't get dirty. Don't be polluted. Instead, I, I have put this white garment on you. Keep it clean, keep it clean. A few years back, I was thinking about someone who I used to work with. And I couldn't remember the guy's name. It had been like seven years ago. But I remember that he had given his life to Jesus and was following the Lord, but he got back involved with drugs, with crystal meth, and it got a hold of him. And I remember he... Last I heard, he had lost his wife who had given birth to a child because he'd gone off the deep end. And and I was just thinking, wonder what happened to this guy. Where is he at? The next day, Colleen came up to me and said, Hey, I met this guy who used to work with you. I go, Yeah, what's his name? And she said his name, and I go, That's the guy. That's the guy I was thinking about yesterday for the first time in seven years. I thought, wow, that's weird. That's crazy. Where's he at? What's going on? And I I told her, well, have him get a hold of me. Tell him, give him my number, and I want to talk to him. And sure enough, it worked out that he came and visited me, and I started talking with him. And he was very high. He, He was tweaking really bad. And I started talking with him, and I'm saying, hey, man, I just thought about you, and, you know, here you are. This is, God has put you on my heart, now you're here before my life, and what's going on with you? Where where, where are you at? Because you knew what was right. And I remember him telling me, you know, I know the truth. In fact, God has told me that if I don't change the way I'm living, that I'm going to die. If I don't change. But I don't want to change. I know it's right. I know the way I'm living is wrong, and I hate the way I'm living. But I just can't change. And then he left, and I'm thinking, no, this isn't supposed to happen this way. I thought about you, and here you are. God brought you here to do something miraculous. I mean, that makes sense to me. Why would you be on my mind and then be here talking to me unless God is wanting to do something? But you see, God did want to do something. But what was necessary was self-control so that that word could take place within his life. James says, faith without works is dead. You tell me you have faith without your works, I will show you my faith by the things that I do. And so Paul tells Felix about righteousness that comes from God and then self-control that comes from you. And from what we know of Felix, historically, he is not a person who demonstrated any self-control. What about us? What kind of self-control are we demonstrating in our lives? Are we demonstrating it or are our lives controlled by other things? Because we need to be aware that God will not be mocked. Whatever we sow, that's what we're going to reap. Galatians tells us. And so Paul then goes on and tells them about the judgment to come. I know this isn't something we like to talk about, judgment to come. No one, no one wants to hear about judgment. I thought, you know, God loved everybody. I, I thought we could all just go to heaven and have a nice party and remember, the, you got to have the right clothes on. You have to have the clothes that are pleasing in God's eyes because that's who it matters. We have to be dressed with his righteousness. And we have to demonstrate self-control so that our lives are in line with the clothing that we now wear because there is a judgment to come based on our life. In Ecclesiastes twelve fourteen it says, for God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Jesus said every idle word will be judged. Every hidden thing. Think about this. Every hidden thing and... Your life and my life. We will have to account for. Every hidden thing. No wonder Felix was afraid. I'm afraid too. Uh, uh, Gosh, that's scary. Every hidden thing. Every idle word. The thoughts and intents of our heart there is a judgment to come. We will have to stand before God and give account for what we do. And we will reap what we sow. This young man that I was talking to who had gotten involved with drugs and didn't want to change About a month later, he called me and said he wanted to talk to me. I met with him. And he said, I just went to a clinic and found out that I'm HIV positive. I'm going to go and live with my brother in Colorado and try and get some treatment there. And I remembered the words that he had told me that God told him that if you don't change, you will die. And it just came ringing back to me. And he even said, this isn't God's fault. This is my fault. I don't blame God. I was living this way and now it's caught up with me. There was... A judgment that he faced just because of how he lived well there's a judgment that our lives will face because of how we live because of who we trust now i want to be clear on this none of us can stand before god unless we are covered in the righteousness of jesus christ This works backwards as well as it does forwards. I do not even want to come before God unless I am robed in Jesus Christ. And it is His work in me that needs to be manifested in my life. And that righteousness doesn't come by me doing good things. It comes by me believing and trusting in the one, the only one who is good. And desiring what he desires. Because it's not by the works of the law that I'm going to be justified. It's by faith in the person of Jesus Christ. But that faith needs to change me. And if it doesn't change me, I need to worry about the judgment to come. If it does change me, then Jesus has taken the judgment for me. That's the good news. That's the great news. Is the faith changing you? Is the faith in Christ being applied to your life? Are you wearing his clothing? In walking in a way that pleases him, demonstrating self-control so that the judgment of God does not fall on you, but it has fallen already on the person of Jesus. See, the Holy Spirit moved Paul to speak these things to Felix. He spoke these things to him because... They were important. They were foundational. And Felix's response is insight into how he received these things. He was afraid. And it says, I don't want to hear anymore. Why? Because I don't want to change. Just like my friend. No, I, I, I'm not going to do it. I know it's right, but I don't want to hear it. Just And Felix in charge said, go away. I'll send for you later. And then we see his motive was for money. He wanted to receive a bribe from Paul. So he kind of kept calling him back. But it wasn't to hear the truth now. It was just to get finances, just to gain financial means. He didn't want to hear it. Sometimes these things, if if they're hitting you and you're saying, I don't want to hear this, I don't want to hear this, ask yourself why. What's upsetting? What's stirring you? Because maybe it's the same thing that was stirring Felix. Maybe it was the same thing that was troubling my friend. But what is your response going to be? Because Felix and my friend, they didn't have good responses. They didn't then step into a place where, yes, I want this, and I'm going to allow this to control my life. I'm going to yield myself, that's my responsibility, to this way of life that pleases God, that honors him. I'm going to do these things so that God will be honored. Now, I don't have to worry about the judgment to come. But if I don't allow these things to influence my life, you know what? There is a judgment to come. Every deed, every idle word, the thoughts and intents of our heart. Jesus said, you've heard it said, thou shall not commit murder. But I say, if you say to your brother, you fool, then you've committed murder in your heart already. God cares deeply about the things that are taking place in your and my life. And there is a judgment to come. We can't escape it. It is a reality and when you and I stand before God, what are we going to be wearing? What are we going to be wearing? Now, Paul spoke the things. Felix responded. In, in verse 27, it says, two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus. In other words, Paul was left in prison there for two years. Felix never responded, and then his time was up. He was out of the picture. The Apostle Paul was there to speak to him and all he wanted was gain. What can this do for me? What can this do for me? And the truth was there before him and he said, no, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I pray that we would not be so blind that we would recognize the importance of faith In the Messiah, Jesus, what it means, the clothing us with righteousness, and that we would walk in a way that is pleasing to God, we would demonstrate self control so that we do not have to fear the judgment to come. Let's pray. Father, as you moved Paul to speak these things to Felix, I believe you are speaking them to us as well. That you want to address us here this morning about righteousness, about self-control, and about the judgment to come. Father, I know that we can take this life very lightly at times. And we can take you for granted. And we can come before you and think that we're fine, we're doing things okay, we don't have anything to worry about, and Lord, we need to realize that unless we are dressed in your righteousness, that it's not enough. And that there is indeed a judgment to come. Father, our lives need to reflect what we are living, and Lord, they do. A good tree doesn't produce bad fruit. If our lives are not demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit or self-control, God, we need to search our hearts and see what it is we believe in and what we are putting our trust in. if we are taking you seriously or not. Because you have invited us into your presence and you have done what is necessary to clothe us with righteousness. Now it's our part. It's up to us to put our faith in you and to live lives that honor you. God, I pray you would stir us up this morning, that you would show us if we're playing games or not, if we're taking this lightly. God, I'm not here to try and just move people emotionally or or make anybody afraid, but Lord, this is the truth. This is what you declare, and it does need to be taken seriously. And, And so I pray this morning there would be a searching of our hearts, That there would be a recognition that you are there desiring to cleanse us, to to be with us, and to walk with us. That all that's necessary is for us to yield and surrender and say, okay, I want you, I want your life in me. I pray, Lord, you would bless these truths. And reveal them clearly to everyone here. I, I don't usually make this kind of presentation, but I think it important this morning to ask as everyone's praying and, and just keeping our heads in a state of just prayer. Bowed. This morning, if you realize that you are not clothed properly. That your life is not under self-control and you're not living how you're supposed to live. And if there is fear for the judgment to come and you want to take that step of faith and trust in Jesus and yield yourself to him and allow him to to come into you and work through you. If you would like to take that step of faith, would you raise your hand so I could pray for you? God bless you. 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 Father, you see the hands that have been raised saying they want to take this step. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would touch their lives, would quicken their minds and their thinking, Lord, and that you would right now just wrap them in your robe of righteousness. Lord, that they would not only trust in you, but desire to walk after you. Give them strength. I pray you would give them self-control. Lord, we all need that. And Lord, we we need to love you more than we love those things that are are bringing us down. Help us to love you more. I pray, Father, that you would continue to work in each of our lives. We do pray and ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.